Hi everyone, it's Anthony here. Just a quick comment before the episode starts properly. What you are about to hear is the recording of the live show that we did to announce our relaunch after our seven-month hiatus. It has been heavily edited to make it work as a podcast episode. If you would like to see or hear the unedited version, head over to our YouTube page, and the link to that is in the blurb to this episode. That being said, I do think that this edited version works really well, so I do hope that you enjoy. Watchers in the Fourth Dimension Hello and welcome to Watchers in the Fourth Dimension. I'm Anthony. I'm Julie. And I'm Riley. Thank you everyone who's joining us. Seven months ago, we very sadly announced that we were going on hiatus when our dear friend and podcasting brother Don suddenly passed away. As we make our return to the podcasting stage, we wanted to do something special to mark our relaunch. And for some reason, doing our first ever live show seemed to fit the bill. We have a few things that we want to cover in this, including talking about what we've been up to while we've been away, what's coming up for the show, as well as an Ask Us Anything session, and we'll see how that goes. That could be kind of fun. Behind the scenes, we have our lovely, lovely friend, Alan Seiler, who is going to be moderating comments and doing a few other things just to generally make sure that all of this runs smoothly. So we're going to kick off by talking about what we've been doing over the last seven or so months, new hobbies, strange events that have happened to us, fun travel, etc., etc. And we would love to hear from you as well. Let us know what you've been up to in the comments. So while we wait for some answers to come in, let's get started with Riley. What have you been up to? I went to Italy. I went to Northern Italy. I went to Venice. I went to Bologna. I went to the Dolomites. I went to Cinque Terre. Had a wonderful, wonderful time and got addicted to the aperitivo, the nice little drink, the spritzes, delicious. But unfortunately, just can't carry that over here in the States. Just life doesn't work that way. But um, yeah, did that and just my normal, you know, doing runs. That's always fun. And, you know, trying to catch up on video games, which I'm sadly very, 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 very far behind. Am I right in thinking you also got addicted to the Italian style of coffee making and you've been honing oh, your craft yes. on that at home? <laughs> I, in fact, I have the remnants of one right here. When you come back from drinking espresso in Italy and you come back to the United States, it's kind of like drinking hot dishwater. <laughs> coffee doesn't taste the same. So you need something stronger. So I immediately bought an espresso machine. Very nice. Julie, how about you? Well, first and foremost, actually, I'm going to ask Riley for things about Italy because I'll be doing that here in a few months. So that's going to be exciting. But I went to Alaska, which was a lot of fun. I did a seven day cruise, left from Vancouver and stopped in Sitka, stopped in Juneau, Skagway, a couple other places. I got to do rock climbing in Alaska, which was amazing. It also doesn't really make sense. You look around in Alaska and you're like, this place isn't real because <laughs> it's just so amazing. It's so beautiful. Highly recommend it. Outside of that, things have been pretty normal. Again, do my rock climbing thing and my project picked back up at work. And so now I'm traveling every once in a while to Richmond to, you know, an army base. That's about all I can say. But yeah, <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> awesome. 
Well, in the hiatus, I spent way too much time trying to reverse engineer all of the audio wizardry that Don used to do. And it actually took me about six months to get there, which is partly why we're coming back now. We were trying to figure out how we could continue to sound as good as we have always done. It'll probably be slightly inferior because I'm not Don and not nearly as good as he is at this stuff, but it'll be better than nothing. I changed jobs. That was a big thing. So I left the world of finance after 10 years and went over into the world of professional services and now work for a consulting company. Although I'm not a consultant, I don't want that (laughs) travel life, but they did fly me up to New York for two days. That was fun. Beyond that, I have been doing a lot of reading. I read a great history book on the history of the Knights Templar, the actual Knights Templar, none of the conspiracy theories. This was solid history. (laughs) It's called The Templars by Dan Jones. So any history nuts can go read that. It's fantastic. I also joined the Shriners. So I wear a fez now because... (laughs) You did it just for the fez, didn't you? I did. I did. (laughs) And also, I mean, they do some amazing charity work. They run a series of children's hospitals across the U.S., that really take care of kids who've been severely burnt and try and give them a a much better standard of life than they would have without that medical intervention. So amazing organization with some fantastic charitable goals. All right, let's flash up some of the comments. So I think my favorite one is Andrew Wilcox says that he's been listening to some inferior Doctor Who podcasts. (laughs) Flattery will get you everywhere. It will. Absolutely. It will. Kieran James Evans says, at the time of the last episode, I was applying for jobs just after he got a new job and has moved. Good for you. Congratulations. And he's also been listening to a lot of podcasts. Okay. Additionally, Sam says, Planet of Evil was Elizabeth Sladen's favorite story. So, I'm glad it's somebody's. You know, yeah. Everyone has their <laughs> opinions. I can imagine it was probably quite fun to make. Yeah. On a similar line, Rosie Bennett, Planet of Evil, hopefully nicer than the County of Badness or the City of Meanies. <laughs> okay, I dig that. I dig that. And last but not least, our friend Beardo Beatnik, when will we get to see Anthony drive the little Shriner car in a parade? I'm working yes. on that, Beardo. I'm working on it. <laughs> Apparently, I have to supply my own car and I don't oh. really have somewhere to store it. But I'm hoping that a friend can let me borrow theirs at some point. So there will be pictures <laughs> if and when that happens. Oh, one more has come in. 2000 Dan LB, or 2000 Dan Pounds. I've been watching some old Who episodes and imagining what you would say about them. That's really nice, Dan. It's so nice. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Well, hopefully you will get to hear what we have to say about them. And that almost feels like a perfect segue into talking about what's coming up. We actually started recording a while ago and we have, I think it's seven episodes that we have already recorded and we're in the process of editing. This is a mix of regular episodes and bonus episodes. So we have our last two episodes that we recorded with Don, The Brain of Morbius and The Seeds of Doom. Now, obviously, those two were fairly difficult for us to get through and to edit. I'm actually still in the process of editing The Seeds of Doom. But candidly, we wanted to get them out into the world. Shortly after he passed away, I had a very long conversation with his fiance, who also sadly passed away a few months ago. But she was adamant that he would have wanted them out in the world and that she also wanted those two episodes out. So we will be releasing those. So those are coming soon. And we've also more recently recorded the first two episodes without him. So our season 13 retrospective, 
which will be coming after The Brain of Morbius and The Seeds of Doom. And of course, we have started on the legendary season 14, which is held up by so many people to be one of the greatest seasons of the show. So we started on The Mask of Mandragora. More on that to come. We might be a little controversial on that. We'll see what fandom's general opinion might be. We also have several bonus episodes coming through. As a kind of test recording to see how the dynamic would work between just the three of us, we actually did something completely irrelevant, but it actually turned <laughs> out so well that we're going to release it as a bonus episode. And I'm going to let Julie talk about that. Back when Don was still with us, and I think it was around the holidays, I was getting a little bored. So I asked the guys, hey, what would be something that's really fun to watch on BritBox that I probably haven't seen? And the recommendation was Blackadder. Yes, everyone, I have not seen that up to that point. And man, that was one of the best things I've ever watched. I must say, I thank the guys for saying, you know, skip season one first, start on season two, watch the rest of it, and then go back. So in our episode, you'll kind of hear us talk a little bit. I think we focused on season two, but we did cover all of the setup and all that background and everything. And man, I wish I could come up with as cunning plans <laughs> <laughs> as Baldrick did. I think we all wish that. Also on the bonus episodes that we're working towards, we actually got so much wonderful feedback and support and, and so many wonderful tributes to Don from our listeners. We have recorded a tribute to Don where we will be running through the comments and the tributes and so on. It really did show that this is a truly wonderful fandom and there is a truly wonderful community that this podcast has developed. So thank you to everyone who wrote in with a tribute to Don. We have aggregated all of that. We have a tribute episode coming up where we also wanted to go a bit beyond just going through the tributes to Don. We also included a silly little movie that Don dearly loved called Phantom of the Paradise, which has nothing to do with Doctor <laughs> Who whatsoever. Before he passed, Don spent literally a year desperately trying to find a connection to Doctor Who in this movie so that we could cover it as a bonus episode. And so we thought that talking about it as a tribute to Don, given that he so, so badly wanted us to talk about it, would have been very, very fitting. So that's coming up. It's incredibly silly, very enjoyable. And if you're in the mood, it's kind of in the same vein as Rocky Horror, kind of a campy rock opera from a similar time period. So do go check that out before we listen in. And I do want to flash up a comment at this point because Beardo Beatnik says, Phantom of the Paradise is a classic. I think Don would have agreed with you, Beardo. <laughs> Absolutely. We also have our customary audio bonus episode coming up. So we will be talking about Doctor Who and the Pescatons, which, of course, was actually recorded at the time between seasons 13 and 14. So it seemed very fitting for us to actually listen to that and talk about it. So that will be coming up around the same time as the season 13 retrospective. And then last but not least, and I'm going to hand over to Riley to talk about this, but we have a Halloween episode that we will be recording this coming week. That's right. This Tuesday, we will be recording our third 
Halloween special. Spooky season is just around the corner and it will most likely be released towards the end of October just to get right in that sweet spot. We will be covering a double feature as we usually do with the has a connection to Doctor Who cast members, most likely actors who play the Doctor. We will be covering the horror of Dracula as it's called here in the States, also known as Dracula done by Hammer in 1958 over there across the pond. And our connection there is because it's Peter Cushing who played the Doctor in the Amicus Dalek films. And then off of Amicus, we are doing another Amicus anthology film. We're doing The Vault of Horror. And the connection there is Tom Baker's in it. He's in one of the stories, the very last story. So we're going to have a blast doing that. Our normal Halloween episode, chit chat, just a little fun to take a little diversion with the Slide Who connection. Thank you, Riley. So as you can hear, we are in full production mode right now. We have a lot coming up. We also have some things we haven't recorded yet, but will come between now and the end of the year. All things being equal, we should actually finish season 14, at least up to Talons, by the end of the year and have that released for you. So full season to come. We're already looking at recording a Christmas episode. I think as you're gathering from the conversation, we tend to record quite far in advance of release. And our Christmas episode this year will be something that someone, well, actually several people have repeatedly asked for. We're not going to say what it is just yet. We'd like to keep that element of surprise. But several of you have asked for it on several occasions, so we really hope that's something that will be enjoyed. And also with the forthcoming animation of The Underwater Menace, we will be coming back to do another bonus episode to talk about that again. So, <laughs> oh, and Riley's cat has joined yes. the chat. Everyone say hello to Bernie. One of our many unofficial mascots Yep, that we all have. We are going to take some of the comments right now. And firstly... In terms of what's coming up, Adam Wright says that he's looking for Julie to be happy that the women count will go up in the brain of Morbius. <laughs> Accurate. Kieran Evans, in the short term, we're getting to Leela. Yes, we are. Season 14 coming up. Foolishness Films, looking forward to our thoughts on the 60th anniversary, but it'll be a <laughs> long wait. I actually did the, uh, the math on this recently because of course I did. And if we go weekly when we hit the new series, the Eccleston era, we will get to that. I think it's in like 2032 or 33. So that could be a very long wait. Kieran, it's all right if you don't like Mask. Okay, we that's good. I'm that. glad you guys will forgive us for that. <laughs> Rosie Bennett, Series 3 of Blackadder will always be my favourite. I'd never cried laughing before watching the episode about the actors. Uh. That's one of my favourites. Dave Krause talking about the Pescatons. That was the first Doctor Who audio I ever heard. Wow. <laughs> Rosie again. I have a game of finding the worst Tom Baker pictures from back in the day. Doctor Who and the Pescatons is one I need to add to my collection. Brilliant. <laughs> I am very interested in this game. <laughs> And would love to see what that looks like. So if there's some way where we can see all that, please let me know. Okay, let's see. What else? JM Casey. Hey, JM, what's up? Looking forward to these bonus episodes very much. Yeah, I think they're going to be a lot of fun. We've certainly had a lot of fun recording them. And JM, again, I have a funny prank story regarding the Pescatons. We'd love to hear that. Yeah, we need to hear more on that one. <laughs> yeah, JM, drop it in a Facebook comment or by email and we'll include it in a future episode. Neil Rhodes, plenty of horror films for Halloween to choose from if you're using Peter Cushing as the Doctor Who connection. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we definitely have <laughs> Never material. Never ending. Yeah. Yeah, we have material for the next few years on that. And we try to keep it somewhat in line with where we are in the show. 
So that's why we were focusing on Troughton before when we first started out. Hartnell, if anyone, and I, I think I mentioned this before, Hartnell, his filmography is difficult to parse through because he did a lot of films that there's very hard to find much information about. So you're trying to just take a guess based off the titles. Some of them might seem like horror films, but they're mostly actually just gangster films. But if anyone knows of any that Hartnell's in, we'll definitely need to go back and take a watch. And also in that particular movie that we just watched, there was more than just Peter Cushing. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. There's always, you know, with those Hammer and Amicus films, there's always other actors that at least had maybe a guest spot. Isn't it always said that there's only a limited number of British actors? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. There are seven. Yeah. <laughs> precisely seven British actors, and they cycle through everything. <laughs> Perfect. Let's see. What else? Donovan Grimwood, hoping to see you at his convention next weekend. And yep. anyone going to Dragon Con, you will see Riley and Julie there. Sadly, I will not be there this year, but we are posting about their panels over on Instagram and Facebook. So if you're heading to Dragon Con, do go check both of my dear friends out and see what they have to say about the topics they're talking about. And if you spot us walking around, Say hi. Love to meet you. See, what else? J.M. Casey, Hartnell was in a cool film called The Hell Drivers. Okay, sounds good. We'll have to check that one out. Stacia is dead. It's very strange listening to you talk and being able to see what you look like. (laughs) Well, this is what we look like, gang. I hope we're everything you expected. (laughs) Matt Wilkinson, you can all hate Mask, but my God, you better love Brain of Morbius (laughs) and Seeds of Doom. You have to listen to find out. You will, but we're not far off. Yeah. I will give you a little sneak peek. Morbius will be released two weeks from today. So uh, you don't have that long to find out. Last but not least, again, Andrew Wilcox. I first listened to the Pescatons in primary school. Yes, I'm that old. <laughs> it's fine. We also had a few comments about Bernie, by the way. Yeah, I saw that. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> He's very cute. And Bernie thanks you too. <laughs> All right, next up, we are going to call Open Season on our Ask Us Anything session. As I mentioned, Alan is moderating, so please keep any questions within the bounds of decency. (laughs) But this is your chance to ask us literally anything. You can even ask us our opinions on Doctor Who outside of where we're up to on the show so far. So please go ahead, leave your questions in the comments, whether you're viewing on either Facebook or YouTube. So starting off, Alan cheeky behind the scenes, <laughs> is asking us, speaking of the 60th, what do you think about RTD returning to the show? And I've done a lot of talking, so I'm going to let you guys answer. I believe I'm going to have a different response than Alan would have. We touched upon it briefly. I'm excited for the fact that between his first run on Doctor Who and now, he's shown a lot of growth, I think, as a writer director and some of the other things that he's done. And while it might seem like at the time that he started to run out of stories, I think that There's been plenty of years built up where he's probably come up with some new stuff and it should be pretty fresh. And I am also the biggest fan of Murray Gold. So I just want the music back. And there could be things that they can improve upon even from a music perspective. But I did not like the direction that they went in the new series. It was not my thing. So that's what I'm also looking forward to. Well, RTD coming back. R2D2. Um... (laughs) I'm very excited about it. I think that, let's be clear, there were some moments in RTD's first run that were a bit silly, a bit much, but I've always felt like, I don't know, there there seems to be more of a heart, more of a warmth there that has been missing from the show. I mean, obviously the Marie Gold bit is huge because 
I don't know, the music was just so important to New Who, I felt. It just really just drove the emotional core of the show. I'm very excited. I think that RTD is, obviously, since he brought the show back before, he realizes that the show needs a refresh, a reboot, kick in the butt. And I think he's got a large plan. And I think it's all well set up with the Tenet specials and then heading over to Shooty later on next year. So I think he has a very smart plan. I think they're looking at it from a point of view of really trying to expand it all and try to really put a concerted long-term plan instead of just a quick flip and then see what happens. There are two questions that I feel dovetail into this very nicely. So I want to take this one from Matt Wilkinson next, which says, do you think it's time that the current show moves on from Tenant? And my personal opinion on this is I think it's very shrewd for RTD to bring back Tenant as a short-term deal. I think the popularity of the show really took a dive over the last few years. And I don't want to purely blame it on the Chibnall era because you started seeing viewing numbers tail off during Capaldi. And I love Peter Capaldi as the doctor, but Mm -hmm. the numbers don't lie. The interest started disappearing. So bringing Tenant back for a limited time, three episodes and then done, I think is calling back to what was the show's golden era in the UK. Bring the audience back and then give them something new. And also, I mean, it's not like it's the first time that the show has ever brought back a past doctor or an actor that's played the doctor in the past. I mean, that's we've already done the three doctors. We've already shown that it's fine to do that. And, and like Anthony said, it's only three specials. I think this is a little different because this is the first time they've brought back yeah. a past doctor as the okay. current incarnation. That's a good point. I'm in pretty much agreement with Anthony and everything. I think that from a perspective of, yes, I want new things. I don't want to get stuck in the past. There is also that issue of if you don't have viewership, then it's just going to go away. And Doctor Who has been going on for so long. I know we, there was that hiatus for a good long time, but you need to get your numbers up and people love nostalgia. There's golden eras of everything. So I think that's going to drive a lot of people to come back to the show. And on a personal note, Tenant coming back is great for me because I like cosplaying the Tenth Doctor. So. <laughs> yeah, you need, to invest, you need to invest I know. in some new... Uh, and I got to get uh, the new, new costume. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, maybe maybe next year. That's There's already been a rush for that. All right. The next one I wanted to take that I think kind of is tangential to this, but is worth asking, and we're going to try not to be too controversial on this, but Kieran Evans, thoughts on the Whitaker-Chibnall era? <laughs> what okay. <a> tantric- okay. <laughs> Riley, I know you just gave up at one point. So uh, Okay. I'll, all right. I'll, I watched all of the first season, and then I caught the special off of that in between the seasons, and I watched the, was it... Um, what was the Bond spoof that was the beginning of their second Skyfall. Spyfall, right. Skyfall, Spyfall. I'm going to try to make this as succinct as possible. It's difficult while also being diplomatic. I'm not a fan. I'll just say that. Everyone has the things they like, and I know there are people that really like that era. Great. I'm glad they do. I'm definitely glad we're going back to RTD. And I feel that there was just some sort of, I don't know, there was some sort of disconnect that happened through a fault of the writing. I think the actors that they had, the companions, I enjoyed them. I, I mean, Graham, I really enjoyed as a companion. I think that's a great companion. Whitaker, I think she was absolutely fine. I just feel like, I don't know what Chibnall was trying to do. It's like, I felt like he was trying to find a version of Who from classic Who, maybe, that he wanted to bring forward. There's a time and a place. The show always evolves. And I feel like it didn't work. And then he got pissed 
And then he started really getting into some stuff and messing around with the cannon and just saying kind of like a child playing a game with other children. And when the other children didn't like the game, they got angry and then said, well, screw you. I'm going to just do whatever I want now. And I don't care. That's what I think happened. So I don't know if that's going to anger people, but that's just my opinion. But hey, if you like it, great. I'm glad there's a version of who for everyone. I think I'm in a lot of agreement. I didn't give up on it. I don't tend to give up on a lot of things. Once it started, I try to see it through the end. Granted, Doctor Who might not end, so we will see how that goes. I love Jodie. I like most of the companions that they've chosen. I think the acting is great. The story is where it suffers a lot. I think the first one, and also I won't even say just the storyline. I think there was a disservice of getting rid of everyone. Getting rid of your costuming, getting rid of your music, getting rid of your marketing team. Cleaning slate was probably a problem because I think there's some amount of continuity that needs to happen within Doctor Who. He also had that idea of it's going to be all new villains. Everything was completely brand new. And while sometimes that can work, it didn't because he didn't come up with compelling villains. You had the guy covered with teeth. I mean, really, let's be clear. That's (laughs) disgusting. I also thought there was a lot of things that were very ham-fisted. I kind of slap in the face sometimes with some of the storylines, which I know that Doctor Who has always touched upon controversial subjects, but most of the time it was in a more subtle way. And then at the very end, you're like, oh, hey, look, that's what happened. And I don't think it actually was as feminist as they originally planned with casting a female doctor. So that's my opinion. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you, Julie. I think, candidly, if you're going to go down the female doctor path, you need to make her every bit as strong as her predecessors. And I felt like the 13th doctor never knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. Her character was incredibly inconsistent. And if you're going to make such a big change, you've got to get it right. And they just didn't. And I think part of it comes down to, I suspect Jodie was told to emphasize the 10th and 11th Doctor characteristics, which frustrated me because you watch an interview with her where she is herself and she's funny, she's quirky, she's charming. And I wish she had played it more as herself. I also think, candidly, the writing was difficult. Julie already mentioned the first season, it was basically, we're going to get rid of every single established villain, every bit of continuity, and just play it like it's a completely new show, which is fine if you do it well. But I found that first season very boring. It was one of the first times that I really struggled to get through the entire season. And then the second of Chibnall's seasons, he clearly just went, Okay, I got your feedback. I'm going to throw the kitchen sink. I'm going to give you the Jadoon. I'm going to give you the Cybermen. I'm going to give you Time Lords. I'm going to give you the Master. And it just became the absolute opposite of the first season. So there's that tonal inconsistency. And then just people frequently criticize the writing, and not unjustly, but I do want to give a specific example from The Power of the Doctor, where Graham's randomly in a volcano in Peru, where he meets Ace. Like, how did he get there? This is like a guy who used to drive a bus from, you know, East London. How? What? What? Don't get me wrong. I loved seeing him and Ace taking on Daleks with a baseball bat. But how did he get there? That was very frustrating to me. There were a lot of just random jumps in logic that didn't quite work for me. So my personal opinion is the Chibnall era was very frustrating. There were moments that shone. I mean, The Power of the Doctor was a wonderful nostalgia fest. There were so many moments of that that I loved, and I can almost overlook some of the deficiencies in the Chibnall writing because of that, because it gave me all of those nostalgia moments. I mean, seeing the Seventh Doctor on screen again in full costume, I loved. And actually, Matt Wilkinson 
asks, how was it seeing Ian Chesterton back? And I cried. He hit the screen and I cried. No shame in admitting that. I love seeing Ian. I love seeing everyone. A little sad because we know who wasn't there, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Fraser Hines was not there. I was a little sad on that. But seeing everyone else was fantastic. To be fair, Julie, I know how much you love Jamie, but... (laughs) Bringing him from 18th century Scotland to a support group in the 21st century would have been a little, little bit of a leap. I know, but I can still be sad. (laughs) Okay, let's see. What else do we want to do? There's a lot. There is a lot. You guys are awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much. Where did it go? I saw one that I really wanted to flash up. (laughs) I can just quickly answer this one. Yeah. You know what it was. Yeah. All right. We got one. Can we look forward to more of Julie singing? Yes. Now, to be fair with me singing, I have to have certain inspiration. And a lot of times what I try to do is when I'm watching one of the serials, see if there's some sort of topic that reminds me of a song. So yes, I will be. Just bear with me as I figure out where that makes sense. And I can actually reveal that you will get both Julie and Riley doing Uh. a little bit of singing (laughs) when we do the Brain of Morbius in a couple of weeks. That is right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that one's very exciting. All right. Staying on the topic of the 60th, we have a lot of questions and comments both about the 60th and about the Chibnall era. So we're going to kind of bounce between the two. Andrew Wilcox asks, what do you think about Beep the Meep coming back in live action? Loved the comic strip. I cannot comment on this because I never had heard of this before ever. This might be more of a question for me because Riley's looking (laughs) equally puzzled. I love Beep the Meep. I thought the comic book was fantastic. I really enjoyed the turn of Beep the Meep in the little Big Finish special they did as a Doctor Who magazine giveaway, The Ratings War, probably about, I don't know, 20-ish years ago. Very fun character. I am very curious as to see whether this will effectively wipe the original comic of the Star Beast out of canon and replace it with this new version or not. I've got no idea what RTD is going to do there. Maybe they'll find a way to have them coexist. But I think that Beep is going to be very, very fun. Very much looking forward to that. Okay, we have a couple of things that are more comments. So Adam Wright, my thing about Whitaker was that it always felt like a man trapped in a woman's body. What was phenomenal about Missy is that she was the master and embraced being a time lady. Whitaker even put on a tux in Spyfall. I have no issue with masculine women, but if the doctor was going to be a time lady, they should have went all in. I tend to agree. I get very frustrated when strong women turns into they must be a fighter, they must be a leader, they must be all of these other things. I think that to really embrace being a woman, you are more than just trying to be a man. And I think that there's a tendency to not lean into the softer side of being a woman, thinking that that is going to make them weaker, but that's actually a strong suit that men just cannot understand. And so that's what I get really frustrated with. And so I think that, yes, I I tend to agree. They didn't really try to have her lean into it other than just being like, oh, man, this is cool. I'm a woman now. Okay, there's more to it than just the body appearance. I just want to point out that I really liked Missy. I really thought that was very well done. And I prefer Missy over the most recent incarnation of the master on the show. Oh, I really like both. I thought Sasha did a great job as the master. He got to sing and dance to the Ra Ra Rasputin song. That's all that matters. That all that counts is Ra Ra Rasputin. (laughs) What I love about that, there was a news story recently that that wasn't scripted. He read the script, thought he read that the master danced. He didn't. It wasn't in the script, did it, and they just kept it in. I love that. 
Oh man, I got some people here agreeing with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, Dave Krauss, preach. <laughs> okay, Donovan Grimwood. I love that they redid the original outfits for Peter and Sylvester. Peter got to wear his for photo shoots at Pensacon. Yes, I loved seeing them both in their original costumes, even if they were just holograms, particularly Sylvester. I'm such a McCoy fanboy. <laughs> I can appreciate it. I just haven't gotten around to watching those guys yet. Matt Wilkinson, are you guys ever doing The Curse of Fatal Death? We have to. Have to. We do. So this is where we go back to Don. Right. The Curse of Fatal Death was Don's introduction to Doctor Who. He was a huge, huge fan of Rowan Atkinson, and that led him to The Curse of Fatal Death. Don was adamant that it needed to be its own full actual episode, not a bonus episode. And so we're going to do it. We will be doing effectively a wilderness years season when the time comes. So we'll do survival and then we'll go in and we'll do dimensions in time. We will do the TV movie. We'll do the curse of fatal death and probably a few things from other media, maybe downtime, maybe something like the scream of the Schalke. We're so far off of that. The details still need to be figured out, but we will effectively find a way to make that its own season, which will be really, really fun. Uh, okay, <laughs> lots of comments. Kieran Evans, I think that The Curse of Fatal Death was my first who as well when five-year-old me watched on Red Nose Day in 1998. Kieran, I think I was 11 and I also watched it then. So we were running in parallel just with six years between us in terms of age. Donovan Grimwood, when it comes out, will you maybe review The Real McCoy as a bonus episode? So for anyone who's not aware, there is a film about Sylvester McCoy that is in the works called The Real McCoy. I'm not sure whether it's going to be like an interview documentary or whether it's going to be a biopic, but I think it looks rather fun. I'm sure we'll find a way to do it. We'll probably wait until we've actually covered something involving Sylvester before we do it, though. Stacia is dead again. He who is tired of Sylvester McCoy is tired of life. He's so wonderful. He's so eccentric. I had the opportunity to meet him on several occasions, twice at Dragon Con and once in the UK, and he's just a joy. A couple of fun stories from Dragon Con. One year he had injured his leg and was in a mobility scooter. And on the Thursday night at Dragon Con, which before there was official programming, used to be just people gathering and having a few drinks. Sylvester got a little bit tipsy, managed to shake off his minder and was just riding around the hotels in his scooter having <laughs> the time of his life. He was great. And another time I was walking through the lobby of the Hilton and he came up to me and asked me how he'd get to the bar. So, you know, man after my own heart, looking for the bar. Love it. Next up, let's see what else we have. Would the Watchers ever consider doing a piece of original Who fiction as a bonus episode? Yes. Yes, I vote yes. <laughs> Do you have something in mind, Riley? No, no. I just I, I just think it's a very good idea. A while ago, we did, a, and I think we've made references to this on our show before, when we were doing a lot of, covering a lot of Lost episodes, Outside of looking at reconstructions, we also came across people's own reconstructions of episodes on YouTube, yes. which yes. is an interesting rabbit hole to go down. <laughs> and so that was highly pleasurable to do. So I'm assuming that we would find also things like that from Who Fiction that's original. So that's why I really want to do it. And I think back before this podcast was even a thing, I remember meeting some folks at TimeGate who had a YouTube channel and had some episodes that they did. And one of them was one of the doctors. He also would play Frankenfurter or Rocky Horror as well. But I did actually, I think, enjoy a few of those. So I think that kind of fits into a little bit of this original Who Fiction. So I could 
But yeah, I could be on board. And in the past, we've talked about maybe doing a Target book club. Oh, yes, I think we did. So I think it would be fun maybe for one or two of us, maybe not all three of us, to get a couple of guests on and talk about a few Target novels. I mean, they're a relatively quick read, so we could probably talk about two or three of them. Oh, actually, this was exactly where I was going to go. Kieran Evans asks, oh, you covering the Virgin New Adventures or Missing Adventures and the BBC range would be interesting. You could pick a Missing Adventure and or Past Doctor Adventure for each Doctor you cover. That would be a lot of reading. I would certainly love to do maybe one or two New Adventures, Missing Adventures or BBC books. Probably not one per Doctor because they can be quite long. I mean, I can't imagine how long it would take everyone to read something like Alien Bodies, which is just a phenomenal piece of work, but really, really quite a long read and then read 10 more. I think that would be quite a lot. But I would certainly love to cover one or two of them as we get to that era and maybe look at that in the context of the wilderness years and how fandom filled the gap when Doctor Who wasn't on TV. I think that would be rather fun. Andrew Wilcox, Target Book Club would be awesome. You know, the more people ask for that kind of thing or the more people talk about it, there really does seem to be an appetite for that. So maybe we'll make that happen in 2024. We've got a pretty packed schedule for the end of this year. Maybe early next year we can make that happen. Andrew Wilcox again, what are your first impressions of Shooty? So back in 2016, I had gone to London. I stumbled across the Globe Theatre as they were doing a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Fast forward to this year and I'm looking at his IMDb and realize that I saw a production of him on stage at the Globe. <laughs> I had no idea who he was at the time, but... I just find it amazing that it's a very small world. And I was touching the stage, so I probably got pretty close to Shooty as he was doing that. And Oh, you were a groundling? Yeah, I was a groundling. It was awesome. amazing. Amazing. Yeah, I walked by it when it was like 10 minutes until the show was going to start. And they were like, five pounds to be a groundling? I was like, absolutely, yes, please. I also watched Sex Education, and he is amazing. My favorite character of that show. I think he is wonderful. I think he is a wonderful actor. From what I've seen, just from a costuming perspective, everything that he wears, he looks awesome. So I'm very excited for Shooty. Yeah, the promotional stills they've been putting out look great. When he was cast, I immediately sought out just to get a taste to figure out like, okay, who is this person? What have they done? And so I watched Sex Education. What I found so interesting about it was that the way that the show sets up and how the narrative is at the very beginning, at least in the pilot episode... He's not the primary character, but as a supporting character, he's in it so much in the pilot. Like the, in the first 30 minutes, it's very clear to me what happened was they filmed everything. They looked at that first episode and they were like, okay, we want to hook people. We need to put as much of this guy in as quick as possible to try to pull people in. And I was impressed as well. And I think with RTD, I've, I have a lot, of, a lot of faith that we'll be going into a new era of the show that will be both exciting and endearing. I'm with that. I think he's great. Uh, like Julie, I've watched all three seasons of Sex Education. I did not have the privilege of seeing him on stage at the Globe, <laughs> but he's wonderful in Sex Education. He shows such depth as an actor. I mean, in that first season alone, he's got kind of the high kind of camp outward impression that he gives. But when you have that episode where he's walking home and he gets abused in the street and you know, clearly by people who don't like the fact that he's a, a man dressed up in drag. The level of hurt that he conveys as an actor on screen, to me, that shows how much range and how versatile he is. 
And I really can't wait to see how that translates into Doctor Who. I think he's going to be a, a really good Doctor. And he's certainly doing two seasons. He said that in interviews. Whether he does two or more, I think we're in for a treat. I really do. Mike Pimentel. <laughs> Sup, Mike? Hey, Mike. <laughs> Sup, y'all. Loving the podcast. Agree. Psyched for Shooty, especially based on his performance on sex education. Yes. And then, Sam, Julie's Shooty story rings a bell. A few years ago, I was going through my old theater programs and realized I had once seen David Tennant naked on stage <laughs> years before he was the doctor. There are a lot of fangirls out there who are quite jealous of that. Yes, absolutely. One. And I remember hearing David Tennant tell stories about that particular play because I believe, you know, there's been people who's like watched him and he's like, oh, that was really awkward. I wish they really hadn't come watch this. So, yeah. <laughs> I think my only Doctor Who theatre story was in 2008. I went and saw David Tennant and Patrick Stewart in Hamlet in Stratford-upon-Avon. And uh, I was two rows from the stage. So I was probably wow. within about 10 feet of both of them. And Yes, they are both phenomenal on stage. They are very, very talented Shakespearean actors. So it wasn't a Doctor Who person, really. But just because we got into theater, sorry, everyone. I saw Kenneth Branagh on stage. Hmm. I was seven rows back. But yes, that was phenomenal. Also highly recommend. Can we please get Kenneth Branagh to direct a Doctor Who episode? <gasps> that could be very fun. I love him. I agree. All right, Matt Wilkinson, how do you envisage covering the Eighth Doctor? And I, I guess this one's really for me. So we will do the TV movie, obviously. We will do the Night of the Doctor, probably the same time we do the Day of the Doctor when we eventually get to that in like 10 years' time or however long that will be. We'll do a big finish, maybe two. But we won't do a big thing simply because there's way too much there for us to cover and we don't want to extend this podcast into the 2040s. <laughs> but we will do something to take it beyond the TV movie. But we're still probably about three or so years off from that. And on a similar note, Beardo Beatnik asks, have any of you watched the documentary, Who Am I? So for anyone who's not familiar with what that is, the behind the scenes team from the TV movie, I think specifically the director, which I think was Matthew Jacobs, recently did a documentary on the TV movie called Who Am I? I have not watched it yet, but it is sitting on my shelf on Blu-ray. But we might make that as part of something when we do the TV movie down the road. Okay, there were a couple more comments I wanted to touch on that kind of came up as we were going along. So, Beardo, Graham and Ace should be tenants companions and get Graham a kilt. You will get no objection from me about the kilt. <laughs> Some friends of mine recently went to Edinburgh, some American friends, and realized that the only people in Edinburgh wearing kilts were actual Scotsmen and American tourists. <laughs> so putting an East Londoner in a kilt seems a little odd to me, but I'm not going to deprive Julie of that if that's what she really wants. When I visited, I did not wear a kilt. Another one from Donovan Grimwood talking about the Sasha master. So Sasha was getting on the verge of being a Joker version of the master. He was fun and menacing, though in a different way from the previous masters. Yeah, I certainly think that he had that absolutely chaotic, evil mm -hmm. nature to him where he just did stuff to screw with people, like thoroughly unhinged stuff. One thing I did appreciate, though, is that they kept with what normally happens with the master, where he gets someone to like do his dirty work that he should have never trusted to begin with and everything. I'm like, yep, that is 100% what the master would do because he's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I like Sasha. As an actor, he had a great run on a show called The Great, which just 
recently finished up their third season, I believe, and he was excellent on that. And I'll just still stand by that I prefer Missy as the master than his master, but that's I we've already covered that, so. I absolutely prefer Missy to Sasha, but I don't think Sasha did a bad job at all. Can we just agree that Delgado was the greatest, though? He was so good. So good. The OG and the best. Mm. Okay, Kieran Evans. As I did my PhD in Scotland, I think I can wear the Harriet Watt tartan. Got a friend who went to Harriet Watt. So, you know, you can rock it, Kieran. You know you want to. <laughs> and Colleen Neal asks, <laughs> any plans on selling those sweet Watches in the Fourth Dimension t-shirts? The people want merch. <laughs> we were looking into options and then kind of it went on the back burner while we were on hiatus. But we will certainly look back into getting these sweet, sweet t-shirts out if anyone wants them. I think we should do coffee mugs just oh coffee mugs could be fun i need any excuse to have more coffee mugs i think i have one for every day of a month yeah so for anyone who doesn't know colleen is my significant other (laughs) and our mug cabinet is already quite full i might be able to persuade her to let me have another mug though oh definitely seeing uh (laughs) jm casey coffee mugs in the style of the old tardis mug kieran evans definitely mug though for tea of course yeah there's demand for mugs (laughs) I'm telling you. Oh, oh and wow. And even better, Stacia is dead. When do we get the Watchers in the Fourth Dimension trading cards and collectible action figures? Ooh. I think we could maybe adjust that if we do it in our way, where let's say we do illustrations of certain characters or creatures from Classic Who, but with our terminology, such as dish rags and arse warriors. Because <laughs> then we might be able to get past the copyright and say we're doing it out of satire. Or parody, excuse me. Alan wants to see custom Funkos of us. <laughs> oh, Beardo suggests a t-shirt mug combo. Right, yeah, put the t-shirt in the mug and then sell it as, as one. Yeah. yeah, we make no money off of this podcast today. <laughs> Zero. Zero. So, Evil um, Christmas t-shirts. <laughs> love that. Yeah, love see, that. that's, that's we, we have our own have our own lingo. Kieran Evans, how about a design with the final Hinchcliffe <laughs> women count? I love it. Please. Mike Pimentel, a sonic screwdriver set. Screwdriver set, yes. Yes. Maybe we'll put the W4D logo on the handle. That'd be fun. (laughs) So apparently there is actually quite a lot of demand for merch when Colleen said the people want merch. This is like Spaceballs merchandise. (laughs) Yeah, she is tuned in Mm -hmm. to the popular consciousness. Actually, she genuinely is. She normally knows what's going on. Okay, (laughs) Adam Wright. I see an action figure of Julie holding Jamie's kilt with a mischievous smirk. Or maybe an action figure with the kilt blowing <laughs> from Dragon Con would be good too, but I'll yep. just leave that there. Yep. JM Casey just said that he would like to see a Dickie Award action figure. I think we can find a trophy store that uh, yeah. that might be able to rig something up like that for us. Or we can find uh, actually what Richard Martin looked like and make an action figure <laughs> out of him. Maybe a gold statue in the style of the Oscar <laughs> of Richard Martin. But there Maybe. needs to be some funny thing done to it. So we'll, we'll, fig- we'll figure that out. sorry (laughs) last comment before we wrap up jm casey i think the dickie award design does speak for itself yep (laughs) yep okay perfect way to end this yeah yeah i think that wraps it up thank you so much everyone for tuning in we will be back in two weeks time 
with our first regular podcast episode since January. As mentioned, that is The Brain of Morbius, which we actually recorded back in January. So it's been on the back burner for a while. It does still have Don. And then that will be followed a couple of weeks later by The Seeds of Doom, which is our last episode with Don. So do tune in for those. Those will be back very, very soon. But as always, in the meantime, thank you everyone who's tuned in live for this. You guys have been very fun. You've given us a lot of great comments, a lot of great questions. It's been very, very much appreciated. And for all of those listening after the fact, again, thank you for taking the time to listen to us. We hope you've enjoyed this as much as we have. But in the meantime, thank you all so very much. And as always, have a good one. You have been listening to Watchers in the Fourth Dimension with Julie Philippek, Riley Shrek, and myself, Anthony Williams. This bonus episode, Five Pounds to be a Groundling, was recorded live on Sunday the 26th of August 2023. We would like to give a special thanks to Alan Seiler for all of his assistance in making this show happen. Please do check out his podcasts, Earth Station Trek, Doctor Who from A to Z, and Modern Musicology, on the latter of which, yours truly, is also a co-host. If this is your first time listening in, all of our previous episodes are available through your favorite podcasting app. You can interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at at Watchers4D, and you can also email us at Watchers4D at gmail.com. If you're enjoying the show, please do subscribe and leave us a review or rating on your favorite podcasting app. All of those things really do help the show. And always remember, we're back, baby.